Among the gifts that the Lincoln boys received at the White House were two goats, Nanco and Nanny. David Herbert Donald, in his book Lincoln at Home, tells us, Like the public at large, they, that is the goats, had the run of the White House. On one occasion, Tad harnessed Nanco up to a chair, which served as a sled, and drove triumphantly through the East Room, where a reception was in progress. As dignified matrons held up their hoop skirts, Nanco pulled the yelling boy around the room and out through the door again. Tad Lincoln, as he was called, was the youngest son of the Lincolns. We'll learn a little bit about him in this episode of Everything Lincoln. Four score and seven years ago. Everything. Everything Lincoln. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Everything. Everything. Everything Lincoln. With malice toward none, with charity for all. Everything. Everything. Everything Lincoln. The Everything Lincoln Podcast. If I were two-faced, would I be wearing this one? Hi, everyone. I'm Renee Gentry, and I want to welcome you and thank you for listening to Episode 3 of Everything Lincoln. Today, we're going to talk about Tad, the fourth and youngest son born to the Lincolns. Tad Lincoln was born in Springfield, Illinois, on April 4, 1853. He was named Thomas Lincoln after his paternal grandfather, with no middle name or initial. It was Lincoln who gave him the nickname Taddy, because as a baby... Well, he kind of had a large head, and that reminded Lincoln of a tadpole. When Taddy got older, Lincoln took to calling him Tad, but Mary Lincoln called him Taddy for his entire life. Being the youngest child, it's pretty easy to imagine that Tad was a little spoiled. I say that, of course, from the perspective of being the oldest of my siblings. Now, I love my brother dearly, and I won't go so far as to say that he was spoiled, but I will say that he didn't exactly have to live under the same rules as the rest of us. It's definitely fair to say that Tad didn't live under many rules at all, at least up until the time when he left the White House. In an age where children were to be seen and not heard, Lincoln's parental philosophy was, eh, kids will be kids. In fact, he was often amused by their shenanigans, and he frequently egged them on. And clearly, he did not appreciate anyone reprimanding his children. A story is told of a time that Tad accompanied Lincoln to the telegraph office in Washington. While Lincoln was looking over some dispatches, Tad went into the other room and busied himself by drawing on a very white tabletop with some very black ink. Madison Buell was the telegraph operator, and he grabbed Tad by the collar and dragged him into the room where Lincoln was reading. Now, Buell was outraged, and he told the president that Tad had ruined the table. And Tad, in his typical honesty, held up his black fingers to show that he had, in fact, been up to some fun. At that... Lincoln lifted Tad up into his arms and said, Come, Tad, Buell is abusing you. Now, we know that Lincoln's law partner, William Herndon, well, he frequently complained about the havoc that the Lincoln boys would wreak when they visited the office. In fact, he called them the Little Devils. But wisely, he never complained directly to Lincoln. Now, Tad had a speech impediment and perhaps had a learning disability, which endeared him all the more to his parents. Tad was also close to his brother, Willie, who was two years older than Tad. Willie was Tad's accomplice in a great many pranks and, in general, was also a very close playmate. When they moved into the White House, Tad was just about to turn eight, and Willie was ten. I'd like to read you now a little story from a wonderful book by Ruth Painter Randall. It's called Lincoln's Sons. 
You can get details about it in the bibliography section on everythinglincoln.com. I highly recommend this book. It's a pretty quick read and entertaining as well. I think the story will give you a good idea of the playtime activities that Willie and Tad shared with their neighbor boys who were named Holly and Bud Taft. Their older sister, Julia Taft, was sometimes tasked with the impossible job of watching over them. It's a pretty lengthy quote, but I think you'll enjoy it. Here we go. The Sanitary Commission in New York sent Tad a handsome soldier doll, which he named Jack. It was dressed in the favorite Zouave uniform and must have been a very appealing toy. But Jack seems to have had a most unregenerate character. The boys frequently had to hold court-martial over him, finding him guilty of such things as sleeping at his post or desertion and sentencing him to be shot at sunrise. The execution, however, would take place immediately, Tad with his cannon playing the part of the firing squad. The dishonored soldier would then be buried inappropriately with full military honors, and the place chosen for burial was among Major Watt's newly planted rose bushes. Julia Taft, who tells the story, was in Mrs. Lincoln's room one day when a strange and dreadful sound came through the window from the White House grounds without. "'What's that noise, Julia?' Mrs. Lincoln asked the girl. "'It's probably the dead march,' Julia answered. "'I suppose the boys are burying Jack again.' Mrs. Lincoln asked Julia to go quick and tell the boys not to dig among the roses because it would kill them. Julia knew they had been told this several times before, but she was obedient if the boys were not, and she went outdoors to deliver the message. She found the band which was playing the excruciating dead march consisted of a broken-down fiddle, a dented horn, a paper over a comb, and Tad's drum. About the time she reached the spot, the gardener, Major Watt, arrived, looking like a man who had had just about all he could take. Out of his desperation came inspiration. He suggested that the boys get Jack pardoned. This idea won instant approval all around. Come on, bud, said Tad enthusiastically. We'll get Pa to fix up a pardon. Julia tried to prevent the four from bothering the president, but they clattered noisily upstairs toward his office on the second floor. When she followed him, she found John Hay. He's one of Lincoln's secretaries, you'll remember. She found John Hay in the waiting room trying to head them off. This produced such an indignant protest that Mr. Lincoln in the inner office heard it and opened the door. He smiled down at the youngsters and asked what was the matter. Tad dodged around John Hay and threw himself on his father, explaining what was wanted. Mr. Lincoln began to enjoy himself. He told Tad it was not usual to grant pardons without some sort of hearing and invited them in to tell why Jack deserved a pardon. John Hay gave up with a disgusted snort and stepped aside to let the little group follow Mr. Lincoln into his private office. There he seated himself in a judicial pose and told Tad to state his case. Tad delivered his argument in a rush of words. Almost every day they tried Jack for being a spy or deserter or something, and then they shot him and buried him. Julie said it spoiled his clothes, and Major Watts said it dug up his roses, so they thought they would get Pa to fix up a pardon. The president considered these facts with due gravity and told Tad he thought he had made a case. It was a good law, he said, that no man shall twice be put in jeopardy of his life for the same offense. Since Jack had been shot and buried a dozen times, he was entitled to a pardon. Turning to his desk, on which so many pardons were to be signed, he wrote on his official paper, The doll Jack is pardoned by order of the President, A. Lincoln. 
John Hay bundled Julia and the boys out of the door with scant ceremony. He evidently felt, like the gardener, that he had had about all he could take from the boys. Ruth Painter Randall then concludes, Sad to relate, Jack's pardon did not cause him to reform. In less than a week, he was proved guilty of being a spy again. The boys thought it wise to have a change of venue this time, and he was hanged from a tree in the Taft Garden. Now, Willie did spend time away from Tad when, during part of the day, he was put under the supervision of a tutor. But Tad was not. He received no primary education at all, and he was simply left to play. Within a year after moving into the White House, Willie died. This drew Tad all the closer to the Lincolns and made them all the more lenient with Tad. Anyone with me here? I'm thinking Tad was a total terror. And yet, he obviously had his endearing moments. One of those moments was captured in the Brady studio, and the picture has since become one of the most popular father-son portraits ever. I'm sure you're quite familiar with the picture. It was taken in February 1864. In it, Lincoln is seated and Tad is standing at his side. They're both reviewing a book. The U.S. Postal Service used this picture on the 20-cent stamp issued in October of 1984. It's titled, A Nation of Readers. One little note of trivia about this picture It's the only portrait of Lincoln which portrays him wearing glasses. Robert Lincoln, who, as you know, was Lincoln's oldest son, and he was Tad's senior by nine years. Robert tells the account of the picture like this. While his father was waiting in the studio, Mr. Lincoln picked up an album of Brady's celebrated pictures and was showing them to Tad. So impressed was Brady by the pose that he induced them to remain as they were while he took their picture. Now, this book or album belonged to Brady, and it was available to his patrons to look at while they were waiting for their appointments. It was sort of a who's who in pictures, and among the more interesting portraits were some of P.T. Barnum's celebrities who actually helped make the early showman quite famous. Brady is known to have taken the photographs of Mr. and Mrs. Tom Thumb, the Siamese twins, the fat lady, the human skeleton, and many others. Now, tragically, Tad's beloved father was murdered just 10 days after Tad's 12th birthday. Now Tad was the only one living with Mary in whom she could take comfort. She mentioned him in a letter in November 1865, saying, I press the poor little fellow closer, if possible, to my heart in memory of a sainted father who loved him so very dearly. In the fall of 1865, Mary had Tad enrolled in a school in Racine, Wisconsin. That November, she wrote a letter to Francis Carpenter. Now, Francis Carpenter, some of you may know, is the famous painter who had lived at the White House for a time. So Mary wrote to Carpenter, saying, Taddy is learning to be as delighted in his studies as he used to be at play in the White House. He appears to be making up for the great amount of time he lost in Washington. After that, Tad was put into a public school, but since it was very unlikely at the time that he could read, in spite of the fact that he was 13 years old, And because he was big for his age, he probably had a hard time in school. Remember, he still had a speech impediment. And I think that you have to agree with me. No matter the era, kids are kids. And if you're different, you're going to be made fun of. Sure enough, the kids at school called Tad, Stuttering Tad. In 1868, Robert Lincoln, who was about 25 at the time, consulted with some specialists about Tad's speech impediment. It sounds like some progress was made, but it's not clear to me exactly what happened. In the summer of that year, Mary made plans to move to Europe, 
where she thought Tad could receive an education at a cheaper expense than in the United States. As you may know, Mary was not taken care of by the government in the same way in which our former first families are now. It was at this time, in fact, that Congress was debating about financial support for her, so you can imagine that they didn't really look all that kindly on her plans to educate Tad in Europe. Nonetheless, Mary and Tad set sail for Germany in October. Now, while he was in Germany, Tad's learnings accelerated more than at any other time in his life. In March of 1870, Mary wrote to Robert's wife that, Taddy is doubtless greatly improving in his studies. By October of that year, they moved to England, where Tad was put under a tutor for seven hours a day. Mary became quite ill early the next year, and Tad himself was showing signs of illness as well, so they returned to Chicago. Mary improved, but Tad gradually became weaker, and on July 15th, 1871, he died. The Chicago Tribune published an account of Tad's death the next day. Here's an excerpt from that article. At 7.30 on yesterday, Saturday, morning, Tad Lincoln died at the Clifton House on Wabash Avenue, where he had been staying since his return from Europe. The cause of his death was dropsy of the chest. The first symptoms showed themselves while he was abroad, but it was not until his return, the middle of May, that his condition became alarming. He was convalescent at one time, but he got up one night slightly clad and swooned. This was followed by a relapse, after which he grew steadily worse. Tab was just 18 years old when he died. You can imagine how devastating that was for Mary. This followed the death of her four-year-old son, Eddie, whom I didn't even mention in this episode, her son, Willie, and her beloved husband, President Lincoln. After Tad's death, Mary Lincoln began a steady emotional and mental decline. She pretty much bottomed out, as it were, when Robert had her involuntarily committed to an institution after bringing about a public trial at which she was declared insane. Of course, that's another story. The Everything Lincoln Podcast is copyright 2005 by Renee Gentry Von Bergen, all rights reserved. No part of this podcast production, including show notes, can be copied, reproduced, or transmitted without the express written consent of the author. This has been a production of Alta Omnimedia. show with that one. <laughs>